We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get to some more questions here. I don't want to spend the rest of the day on that. Um, Archer 452, Josh Pate listed Bama, TCU, South Carolina, and Utah as four programs that could take a step back in 2023. Which four do you think could take a step back, and which four do you think could step forward? Um, let's address the ones that he mentioned first. I don't, I don't, I actually think Bama's got a chance to be a little better this year if they can figure out the quarterback situation because their talent on defense is loaded. And so I can't tell you they're going to take a step back because I don't see them losing three games. No. Like, that would be a step back for me. I don't think that they're going to – I don't know if they're going to necessarily be a playoff team because I think there's some questions of quarterback. Man, their defense is loaded. Their offensive line returns a lot. They've got good skill. I don't see them being worse than they were last year. I disagree with that one. TCU's taking a step back because they're not going to play for the championship again, and they're going to lose a lot of key players. Yeah. South Carolina, I don't think they – I like what their coach is doing. Yeah, they lost some guys in the transfer portal, but they've landed some guys in the portal. They've recruited well. He's, I think he's building a good thing there. And then hey, Utah – Getting Nicholas Harbor was huge. Yes, yes, huge. yes. Utah, I'd have to do a little bit more research into what they have coming back, but I did hear that Cameron Rising got hurt, and he may be out for part of the season next year. Maybe that hurts him a little bit. I don't think he's that good. To be honest with you, so uh, you know, I don't think that's going to limit them. I, they've got a, they've got a decent amount coming back that I that I'm aware of. They lose some pretty good players, like losing Clark Phillips on defense is going to hurt them. They're going to be fine mm-hmm. at tight end next year. Yeah. That's no disrespect to Dalton Kincaid; they're just loaded at tight end. But I'd have to do a little bit more research onto their roster to to feel good about that one, Sean. Um, yeah. I'll tell you a team who I think is going to take a step forward next year. And this is going to surprise some people. Uh, in some ways, Clemson. I think Clemson. I see that. Yeah. I can see that. Because I think the Garrett Riley move was good. I think they're going to be better quarterback. They got a lot of guys coming back. I can see on offense. I can see Clemson being like 11 and 1. And they're you know either beating Notre Dame or having maybe their only loss to being the Notre Dame. Yeah. I can see that. I, yeah. Now, I don't think it's going to be, they're not back to what they were. Yeah. But I just think, I think that stops the bleeding a little bit. That Garrett Riley hire stops the bleeding a little bit. Yeah. Some other teams that I that I could think could take a step back. Next, Sean, you got any teams that could take a step back? I think I, Michigan's going to take a step back next year. I, That's think, the team I think I think step back. I think Michigan for me 
still gets to that last game of the year with a chance to get to the Big Ten. But they're not going to get in. Yeah. That's my thing. I, you that's know, a step back for me. That's, yeah. Tennessee. They're be good, though. Tennessee good. is a candidate for, for me. Yeah. Because I just don't know Joe. I mean, could Joe Milton be on the Hendon Hooker track? I, I don't know. I mean, Josh Heifel, Josh, he, Josh Heifel's offense is going to give him a tremendous opportunity to be successful. But we don't know. You know, they lose Cedric Tillman. They lose um, – uh, they lost Tillman and Hyatt, Tillman Hyatt yeah. to the NFL. Uh, defensively, could they be better? I still think they're another year away, but I think they can take a step back. I definitely think they can take a step back. I look at uh, a team like so you, the season that Duke had, they're a team where you're like, man, you expect them to take that next step, and they could have a key injury or anything can happen. You know, they end up being a, a game less than what they were this year. A team like that. I Man, look, I'm not buying Oklahoma quite yeah. yet. I'm just not. I do think they're going to be better than what they were last year, though. Yeah. And they were 6-6 six and six team. I think they're going to be yeah, better than that. That's true. Uh, I, I, I do think they're going to be better than that. You know uh, who I think has a shot to take a step forward? I really think UCLA has a shot to take a step forward. I really do. If there's any quarterback that can come in and play as a freshman and be successful, yeah, it's, Dante. It's, it's Dante Moore. Yeah. It really is. And he, yeah. their offensive line is going to be good coming back. Their receiving core is going to be really good. Their receiving core was so good that they said no to yeah. – what's uh, the kid that ended up at Wisconsin? C.J. Uh, Williams. CJ, or no, uh, uh, for UCLA? Yeah. No, no USC, it CJ. You, oh, yeah, C.J. Williams. He wanted to go to UCLA. UCLA said yeah. no. Yeah, T.J. Williams. Yeah. So he's going to have talent to work with, and Chip Kelly really has kind of come around. Because you really look at their numbers, he's not as pass crazy as he used to be. He really he really has settled in yeah. and depended upon the running game there. Zach, they lose Zach Charbonnet. But like I said, the offensive line is going to be good. The run game is generated by the scheme more so mm-hmm. than – Zach Charbonnet is a really good back, but yeah. I mean Chip Kelly's been putting out running games with inferior backs to what he'll have this year. I, Tennessee's an interesting one, Sean, because I think Tennessee's problem is they peak too early, which cost mm. them to maybe lose some guys that they wouldn't have lost if they didn't peak so early. Because I think he hasn't had to. I mean, his first recruiting class, full recruiting class, will be sophomores this year. That's right. it. So I think right. I think they're. That could be a bit of an issue for them this year yeah. as well. I, I, and I'm also I'm not a huge Joe Milton fan to be honest. With I mean, he didn't exactly play all that well in the first two games of the year, of the, or yeah. the two games he started. Yeah, uh, you know, good kid and all that, but he didn't play that well against Clemson. Clemson kept shooting itself in the foot. If Clemson didn't turn the ball over and make dumb mistakes, they'd have beat Tennessee that's, by ten that's points. That's a different game. Yeah, that's a different yeah. game, especially and, early on. Yeah, right. And his other start was against Vanderbilt. So uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm just not a huge Joe Milton fan. They got to get no. their running game going. I think that's yeah. when Josh Heupel's offense arrives. It, it'll be more balanced than it was this year. I think he mm-hmm. wants to be a guy that, that strives for a little bit more balance. I think he wants to look more like what Oklahoma's offenses were when Lincoln Riley was really rolling. Yeah. Is where I think Josh Heupel wants to get to eventually. They just had to be more pass game oriented this year because they just didn't have the talent up front or at running back to really be that kind of offense. So yeah. maybe if their run game gets better this year, that might help them a little bit. But yeah, we'll see. I I think a team that's gonna I, I, I'm very curious what Oregon State's gonna do this year. 
with DJ at quarterback because you expect them to take a step forward, right? I do, but like Lightly. he's not very good, but he's still better than what they had. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which yeah. is saying a lot. I'll tell you a team that I think is going to take a big step forward this year is Iowa. Oh, I that's... think Iowa's going to be really good this year because they they were an eight win team last year with one of the worst quarterbacks, quarterbacks I've ever seen in my ever life. Seen. Yes. Yes. Cade McNown or K- Cade McNown. Cade McNamara may look like Cade McNown playing in that offense. I mean, you've got a. <laughs> If he plays just like he did at Michigan in 2021, that mm-hmm. Iowa team's going to be really good this year. Yeah. Really good this year. Yeah. Even I with think, a bad offensive coordinator, Sean, because they're just – they're really well coached in a lot of ways, man. A lot of ways. I think – I'll be honest. I think Illinois is a candidate to take a step back. I really they lost did. some really good players, man. They lost some really good players. And they and won a, a lot really of really good, close games, too. A really man. good defensive coordinator as well. And the West is going to be better this year than it was last year. I right? agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, they beat yeah. Iowa in an extremely low-scoring game. Yeah. And I agree with that. You get teams like Iowa yeah. and Minnesota to step up. Yeah. I think Nebraska is going to be better. I think they're. I think Nebraska. I think of all the new coaches, coach hires. I think Nebraska's one that's going to have the biggest jump. I actually do think they have talent. It's not great talent, but I think they have. They have players. They were awful. I think they're a bowl team this year. Now I'm not saying they're going to go from four and eight to like ten and two. I'm not saying that. That'd be quite the jump. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're going to be a bowl team this year. I think they're going to be better. Yeah. I think they're going to be better. And I agree. Yeah. Like Ryan, yeah, I, look, I already know because they have young defensive backs to be able to replace sure. the guys that they're losing. The talent won't be the problem. I'm still not sold on the quarterback. The offense is the issue for me for Illinois because they they won so many games with just smoke and mirrors. Really, they show on offense, Sean, yeah, and, and because they, the West was bad. That's the yeah. thing that helped Illinois. Is the West was bad. Yeah, yeah. The they West lost their backup. Really they really would have had a much better running game because they lost their backup running back who had a fantastic freshman season and he get messed up his knee early in the season. He'll be the main guy. They lose Chase Brown, but, but you lose, they, they lost a lot of leadership on that defense, like talent, especially up front. Yeah. On the back end, they lost a lot of leadership and I just don't trust the quarterback, man. I just yeah. don't. I just don't. Who is their quarterback going to be? Is it so? Uh, he transferred from uh, Mississippi. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Luke at Luke oh, Altemeyer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com irish. That's athleticgreens.com irish. Check it out. Somebody said Colorado should be better. I mean, they can't be worse. I mean, they literally would have to go in 12 to be worse. I mean, if they go 2 and 10 this year, they're going to be better, Sean. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't think Dion's going to have the immediate turnaround that people think they do because Dion is inher- – I don't care how many transfer – he's inheriting the worst Power 5 roster in college football, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like, he di- and he didn't get Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and – Travis Dye and the kind of caliber commits recruits that 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 um, that Lincoln Riley got right, but th- the difference is those guys stepped into a pretty decent roster at USC. Yeah, the Travis Hunters and those guys, the the good transfers he did get, yeah, they're walking into a really bad roster situation, and yeah. that's the difference. And their schedule is brutal next yeah. year. Uh, I mean, looking at their, I mean, there's Sean, have you, have you, have you had a chance to look at their schedule? They start the season off at TCU. They changed that. Did they change it? Yeah. They added a game before who are they playing. I forget. It's like, I think they're adding like an HBCU team or something like that. Dion talked about it. Who, who did they drop? Uh, no, they didn't. I forgot what they dropped. I think they, they had to added, drop somebody cause they have 12 games. They added, I know. Oh, they added someone before. TCU is going to be their second game. Because Deion Sanders okay. was talking about it in interviews gotcha. during the Super Bowl week. I forget the team they added and what changes were made on the back end. Yeah. They added a game well, before their, TCU. Their official schedule still has them playing first against TCU. So they haven't they haven't updated what that is going to be yet. So um, that'll be interesting. They it's almost think, They'd almost like to have to add Hawaii, a road game at Hawaii. It's yeah. about the only way that I can think they of without dropping it. somebody. Yeah, because yeah. if they I, if they were to say, hey, we're going to play at Hawaii, at Hawaii in that week zero, that allows them to get a 13th game. Yeah, so, I, I understand what the yeah. schedule shows. I'm telling you what has come out of Deion Sanders' yeah. mouth. So apparently Bailey Brad said that that whatever Deion was talking about got nixed, and they still have to play TCU to start. So I, I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. It'll be interesting. Look, and just because that one got nixed doesn't mean that they're going to try for something else. They're going right, to try for something the, else, yeah. Because they he doesn't want his first game to be TCU, and I don't blame. Yeah. Him. And then the second game's Nebraska. 
Yeah. So yeah, and, and then they also play. They also play. So then they get Colorado State at home. Then they're at Oregon, home against USC, at Arizona State, home against Stanford, at UCLA, home against Oregon State, home against Arizona, at Washington State, and at Utah. Yeah. That's a brutal. They're not going to be that much better. They could be a whole lot better, and still not have much of a better record. Facts. I mean, that's that's yeah. You know, that's the team. The and I'm shocked. I'm saying this. If the quarterback is right, Penn State can take a step forward. Yeah, Aller's got that kind of potential as a as a if, quarterback. If if he is what most of us believe, he can be. I just wonder with if the two if, if with the two running backs they have. Yeah. My question, and they have some linemen coming back. That one tackle mm-hmm. decided to come back, which surprised me a little yeah. bit. The the one, the one thing for me is I feel like Aller's more of a twenty twenty four breakout as opposed to twenty twenty three breakout. That's my only question, you know, because he's a kind of a raw kid. But if your such can get him going, then because like you said, they got skill talent. Man. They lost Parker Washington, but I think Keandre Lambert still comes back, I believe. Yeah. They've got some younger guys that are that are kind of emerging, and every year they lose a receiver, and then like they just like you know Jahan Dotson leaves and Parker Washington steps up, like they just yeah. they just kind of do that just every year. They, they yeah. do a nice job with that. They do. So they they could be one. They could be one. Then better means okay, they're already ten and two. It means they finally got to beat Michigan or Ohio State. In, that's in the that's the key. That's and I'm not key. I'm not right. the biggest James Franklin fan, but right. I think. Yo, he has an opportunity. That offense, because I was the watching Big him Ten in the is Rose very Bowl. manageable, Sean. It's a Absolutely. very manageable conference. There's two good teams in it along with them. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's only two teams in your conference that are on your level talent wise. Yeah. You know, you, now you got a talented quarterback. You know, he's because Sean, you and I love his talent. We were talking about he's the guy Notre Dame should have gotten a 2022 class. Yeah. I mean, love the kid's talent, just raw. Facts. He's just raw. But the other thing, point that now that I'm thinking about your point, Sean, is because of that run game, they don't have to necessarily rely on him to carry the offense next year either. No, they don't. To, they to, don't. To, to that degree, yeah. He can hand the ball off, go play action, you know, passes that, you know, pretty much are right in line with what he can do best. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very important yeah. of how the offensive coordinator works yeah. with that. Yeah. And somebody talking about they lost uh, Joey Porter Jr. They, they, every they, they every year Penn State loses some cornerback well, that's Joey, really good. Joey, I mean but, Joey Porter, but my thing you got like Kevin King coming back. Yeah, yeah. Every year they 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 lose a corner that people think is going to be a loss, and then somebody else steps in, right? Yeah. And so they don't put a ton of pressure on their their corners. Uh, Ryan says Kalen King is better anyway, and I don't disagree. Uh, yeah. If Joey Porter Jr.'s name was Joey Jones Jr. and he was just some his dad was a a steel worker in Pennsylvania. I don't think people would have the same opinion of, who, of of him as a player. He's a good player, but he's not he's not a special player. And I think Brian, uh, Ryan would probably agree. Look, Porter Jr. had much better film last year than he did twenty twenty one. Yeah, his his film his, his film coming off that twenty twenty one. His game against Ohio State at Ohio State was like okay, like to the point you felt like, oh man, if he takes a step forward, like this kid could be. Late first, maybe second round. And then, man, you watched the Ohio State game this year. It was just kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, right. You know, what happened? Yeah. James Franklin has talent, man. I don't know what Always. these pieces have Always. been. He can recruit. He just he, can't coach. Man. 
He has talent. All right, let's get some more questions. There's good questions. Got us going for a while. John A1, what were the major philosophical differences between the 2021 with Elson and the 2022 defensive lines? I don't think there was a philosophical difference that has to do with the defensive line coaches. That was more Al Golden. I think that they used the defensive line to attack a little bit more in 2021. I just think they, 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 they just didn't, they just weren't necessarily coached all that well. I just, they never struck me as like, boy, they're really using their hands. Great. You know, and, and yeah, I just, I just don't think they were necessarily given the tools to go be successful. And we heard it was going to be better, you know, Hey, and it's, you know, just teaching these new things. Well, they didn't know how to take those new things and, Isaiah Foskey, part of the reason he struggled early in the season, Sean, he's trying to implement all these moves and he didn't know how to use them and implement them. So you I don't think what? it's a philosophical change. Just not as good of a coach. I'm I'm cool. And not with the buy, that. Let me say this, and not the buy-in yeah. from the veterans of the new coach, which yeah. I don't blame on Al Washington. Right. The, the veterans did not just embrace him and say, Hey, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. It kept being, well, Elson did this and Elson did that. And I think that kind of hurt. Al Washington in year one. So we'll see if he can make if he can change it in year two now that he's going to have some younger guys that have only played for him or yeah. maybe didn't have the same affinity for Elston and all that if they play a little better. I'm curious yeah. to see that. You, know, you nailed that. So yeah. Super I'm sorry, John. I interrupted you. I apologize. Super chat from John Bertucci. Is there any chance Jack uh Jack Swarbrick is forced to resign? I'm completely insulted by that email. Is it Jack or Father Jenkins that is holding the program back? I said both. Now, I we've said this before. I, I, Sean, you know my stance on Father Jenkins. I have no use for Father Jenkins at this point in time. None. Let me ask you a question. Well, because whomever the father is at the University of Notre Dame, I think will still hold fast to certain values. Sure. And and he should. Yeah. So, Catholic school, you should. Yeah. So I'm, I I I don't know how much. You know, maybe you get a, a different father that is um, has a little bit more that's a little bit more lenient towards the athletic programs and the athletic director doing what's right. I, and, I don't and, think and it's just, leniency. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead, please. No, I, I'm I'm just, I'm, I, that's why I'm yeah. asking. I don't. Yeah. I don't know because I'm looking at it from yeah. a, a person. It's that's a lack of leadership. It's okay. a lack of leadership. It's a lack of vision. And I've talked to. I've had some friends of mine who are who are guys that are heavily involved in these politics of the institution and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then you watch different things. It's just an yeah. utter lack of leadership, right? Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. And this isn't a political statement. This is again, just a lack of leadership during the whole COVID stuff. Notre Dame is still forcing certain things on student athletes or students that, that most schools are not anymore, but that's a different conversation for another day. But Jack Swarbrick has this, or Jack, Father Jenkins has this thing where, like, students have to be masked all the time, and they get in trouble if they don't. And he had this really nasty email of, like, what happens if they're not. And then he goes to the uh, ceremony for the Supreme Court Justice, Amy mm-hmm. Coney Barrett, and, and it's fine if he goes there. I mean, she's yeah. a Notre Dame person. He should be there to support her. He's, like, tr- going around not masked. And it's just like, I, I don't think the students should have been masked. Yeah, I don't think you should be masked. But if you're going to demand that they do it, the healthiest, like the least prone to have this issue in, in on the planet, why aren't you doing that when you're in some foreign place, you know, from where you're at, a foreign place yeah. being like in D.C.? It, yeah. And you just see stuff like that all the time. It's 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 do as I say, not as I do. No vision. Uh, no, 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 no. Hey, here's what we're doing. 
we are going to do these things. We're going to do those things. We're going to make sure that we're striving to be this. It's just a, a, a an utter lack of leadership, in my opinion. And, and that's been true for me for a while. And so then that lack of leadership then leads to certain people in positions of authority just yeah. kind of running roughshod and not having any accountability. So, you know, whoever the new priest is going to be, don't sacrifice your values as an institution. You should, matter of fact, I think you sacrifice them too much right now, if, if you're going to ask my opinion. But the other part of it is it's just have a vision of excellence mm-hmm. that you demand from every department. And I think that's what's listening right now, lacking right now. And so that's, that's kind of my thing. I want to see a, a president and a new father in place that says, no, we're going to have a very clear vision of, of how we're going to be excellent at everything that we do. And there's going to be a greater sense of accountability for the people that don't meet that standard. And here's the, the different metrics that are going to go into why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, yes. like, how much can you really uh, lay at the feet of whomever holds that position? Yeah, moving a forward, lot. I mean, know. that's why Father Ted was so impactful because he said, "No, this is what we're going to do." Yeah, and 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 we're going to live up to a certain standard, and we're going to strive for excellence and all those kind of things. So, yeah, the president can hold a. It's like with it's like with any head of a of a company, right? The the the, the person at the top. Their, their success has a lot to do with their ability to lead. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't lead, then someone's going to step into that vacuum of leadership and, and yeah. do it for you. And it may yeah. not be somebody that you want to do that. Right. Yeah. And so that's my thing is the president in Notre Dame still holds a great deal of, of authority and impact. You, you know what the, the irony of this, anywhere you go in this country, anywhere you go in this country, I guarantee you whatever state, whatever major city, the private Catholic institutions in that area hold football in the highest of esteems. Mm-hmm. And they're usually the best programs in that area. The best. So I, I'm trying to figure out why excellence does not flow the same way. Right. At the most prestigious private Catholic institution in the United States, that for me is uh, is a bit shocking, yeah. because it holds true, particularly on the high school level, throughout the United States, no matter where you go. Yep. So, Sean, I believe. Uh, I was somebody made this point too. Is is uh, I I do believe Jack Swarbrick is one of the highest paid athletic directors in America. By the way, Mister, mm-hmm. we're not going to pay coach. We're not going to pay top dollar for coaches. I'm curious if he it. might take a paycheck <laughs> or pay cut to put his salary on par with where his coaches' salaries rank. Yeah. And it's gotten a lot better. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. It's gotten a lot better. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I thought. Uh, Tyler Evans says, "Mr. Davis, what do you think of Justin of the Justin Fields comments about the Chicago weather?" He's right. What did he say? I didn't hear it. He basically said it's a disadvantage to quarterback, especially as you go into the months of November, December, and January. It's absolutely it's, ho- it's horrible. It's horrible. And hopefully, going inside, uh, once they get through with this project, that they I think the projection is twenty eight, twenty nine season for it to be operational uh everything goes right right now they're in the funding process right 
they they bought the property, they bought the land, they have the specs, they have the drawings. Now it's just about funding, and you know that's going to come across. It comes down to us paying the bills, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> it comes down to us as Cook County residents being taxed in some way, form, or fashion to make sure that the building gets done. So once he goes inside, it will be an advantage. But look, the stadium's right off the lake. It's literally right off the lake. And when it gets cold, the wind is crazy. It's whipping around the stadium. And it's it's a disadvantage. So he he, he didn't say anything disrespectful. He's right. Name name the greatest quarterback in the Bears history. Name just think about it. Quarterbacking at Soldier Field is extremely hard. It's extremely hard. It really is. You look at the Bears quarterback record book and you'll laugh when you look at everyone else's record book for quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You will chuckle. You will flat out chuckle. Look at the wide receiver records. I think Johnny Morris literally just held, still holds records in the Bears record book. For quarterbacks, it's, it's it's laughable. But, yeah, it makes a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. So he was spot on. He was spot on. All right, let's get to some more. We got a super chat here from Detroit Hunter. Brian, I want to give you give a shout-out to uh, all the Notre Dame media in general, and in particular for IB, no free passes given. Go Irish. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, we, we that's not how we roll. You know that. Brandon Plesner says, what's the biggest issue with Notre Dame football? Uh, we already talked about that one um, uh, a little bit earlier. It's like, Ryan, you got one job, man. One job. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Hoyland said, the same offense that goes off against North Carolina, Flounders against Stanford. This seems to have happened each of the last few years. How can uh, Jared Parker raise the floor of, of the offense to avoid very poor games? Sean, that's actually – I'm writing an article – Mm-hmm. that's going to come out tomorrow, that is the number one thing that Jared Parker needs to fix is consistency. Okay. And honestly, the, the thing that you do to fix that is it's consistency in and how you go about your business every day. I'm a big believer that consistency on the football field comes from uh, you have to breed a, 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 an attitude of consistency in everything that you do. You've got to be consistent in, in your meet times. You have to be consistent how you go to work. You have to be consistent in your demands. You have to be consistent in your preparation. And and part of that's timing, like schedule wise, like you want them thinking a, a consistent level, but it's also about the attitude, the the demeanor. It's also about having a very fundamentally sound football team that you're put that you have certain things that you believe in that don't require. Like I think last year's team was 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 fundamentally sound in a lot of ways on offense, but the problem was Sean, there was a level of complexity to what they did that uh, certain players couldn't execute that level of consistency. If you have a little bit more of a of a uh, a foundation of, hey, we're going to do some RPOs. We're going to do some things that put these guys in position to their talent. It, it's more about their talent. So it's number one, lay a great foundation of, of good fundamentals and toughness and all that. And then number two, make sure that your system is geared towards playing more to their strengths than you know being more scheme-oriented. And this is just a general statement. And I think we'll see more of that, creating more easy wins on, on, in, in an offense are also important things. Uh, as as part of that too, so I think those are the things that you do. Is it's a, a level of consistency, and then I think the last piece, Sean, is big, and I'll let you speak on this one. I don't think that this Notre Dame football team on offense, especially the last couple of years, was an overly confident football team. It, it was easy to see, especially in twenty twenty two, and and I don't really care to get into 
why I think that is. But I think that's something that Jared Parker has to address is there's a severe lack of confidence. And you could see it against Ohio State. I mean, from that moment on, they played hard, but there was a level, a lack of confidence in, okay, what am I really supposed to do here? Am I, can I, you know, and I think that needs to get, that needs to get, um, um, get fixed. I think they played uptight. And I think you'll see a much looser team under Jared Parker. You know, with a lot of young players getting opportunities. And I think you're going to see, like I said, a different energy. I think they're, the players are going to have a different energy, you know. So I expect the players to carry the deck with the improvements. You know, honestly, we might honestly say, you know what, let's wait. Because, like, man, okay, they had Sam Hartman last year. Now let's see what Jared Parker does in year two with Tyler Buckner and Kenny Minchie and the guys that he has to develop. Because Sam Hartman came pretty much as a finished package. And you expect him to elevate things the way Jack Cone kind of elevated things when he got here with the fact with his maturity and his ability to do certain things within the offense and understand the offense. So uh, that goes without saying. You know, it's fair to say, you know, we'll really find out about Jared Parker in totality, we'll find out about him immediately, you know, who he is and what he is as an OC. But I think you'll continue to learn about him, you know, as things go on and he starts to deal with the quarterbacks that were, you know, recruited here, needed to be developed, brought up. And that goes with Gino. I call him, sorry, I call him Gino G. I don't want to be disrespectful, but that's my, you know, the quarterback coach now. Is going to be there. So, what'd you say? I said you don't want to have to say Gaduli a million times. I and I get it. Well, I understand. You know, it's not an easy name. Yeah. That's 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 part of it. But no, seriously, I think and I talked about this yesterday. I think the combination of him with the quarterback coach and the OC is much better, and they'll still be able to coach tight ends with a combination of a lot of people. Whether it's GAs helping, you know, I, tight ends will be fine. I like yeah. the combination of having. Uh, Gadouli and uh, Chair Parker there. And I'm gonna say this. You know, go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead. Sean. No, no, go ahead. No, because I was gonna say something I, different onto it. I thought you were done. Sorry. Yeah. You know, I just want to point out to you know all the people who are bringing up Cleveland and Green Bay as far as cold weather quarterbacks. Go look at the record of Brett Favre and uh, their and that offense in cold weather games in the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers and talk to me about it. Talk to me about how Aaron Rodgers looks. In January of the playoff, how great is that passing attack in Lambeau when the Giants have walked in there and spanked them? When the 49ers have walked in there and spanked them twice? Go look at it. Just go look at the record. Who is the That's first quarter, Who is the first quarterback to beat the Packers in Lambeau in a playoff game? Do you remember who that is? Man, you're taking me way back. Not that far back. The first quarter was it Michael Vick? Yep, it was Good Michael. Job. I remember that Good game. Job. Yeah, I remember that game. Yep. Yep. I remember that game. So it's like, look. Along the lines of what we just discussed, too, I think Katie nailed this here. Katie Kiever says, seems like Lorenzo Styles needs that confidence boost big time. Parker being a wide receiver guy should hopefully help that as well. That That's a very key thing. Because I remember yeah. Ryan kept talking like he's got a chance to be the guy and he should be the yeah. receiver. Yeah. And the talent was yeah. there. And he just – he played with zero confidence all year. Yeah. So, yes, if they can get Lorenzo, if they get Lorenzo Styles going along with Dion and Tobias and all yeah. – Jaden Thomas, I mean, yes, this offense – this is what I get excited about, and this is yeah. why they needed to get the offensive coordinator higher right, and hopefully Jared Parker is that guy. 
is because the talent is not the problem next yeah. year. It will not be the problem, especially now that you got yeah. a trigger man that's an experienced veteran guy. Now you've got two trigger that's, men that are really what, talented. It's easy. For me, I honestly believe Sam Hartman makes it a little – it's not easy. People coaching at this level at a program like this is not easy. But having Sam Hartman, it, it helps. It helps the situation. And if you're going to step in as a first-time offensive coordinator – by all means, step in with Sam Hartman as your quarterback and Tyler Buckner as your backup. By all means, like I trust you, Jared Parker feels man, Jared Parker feels better about his quarterbacks than Mike Bobo does. I can tell you that, bro. There's a chance that next year that Kenny Minch is your fourth string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And, and end of sentence, end of you sentence. know what I mean. Sean, I got to yes. bring this up. I got to ask you this question from Rob Thidoff. This is phenomenal. I, I don't even want to show it because I, I don't want to give it away. Yeah. Rob Thidoff says, Brian and Ryan, and we'll say Sean, what piece of literature is a greater work of fiction? Mm. Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton, mm. The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, or Jack Swarbrick's email release yesterday? <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> uh, <I'm, laughs> uh, now do you know why I didn't pull it up? And I'm show not. It to you to, I'm, I'm not. I'm not Rob. I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment. <laughs> and I'm going to go with Jurassic Park. Okay, I'm going to go with the Time Machine by H.G. Wells. I'm, I'm going to go with Jurassic Park. But <laughs> well, very, very well done. Very, very well done. Yes, you know, we you. have to ask Coach Gino. Do we have to put the uh, Gadouli on it, or can we just kind of say Gadouli? Ryan might know. Is that do we have to put some oomph on that Gadouli? Yeah, he's from Kentucky, so we're saying Gadouli. Okay, Gadu- okay. You my wife and I have like had this. My wife and I have had this this battle in our lives before, right? Where she's Italian. She grew up in New York City till like she was four. Like her her New York accent was so bad, she had to take like speech therapy when she moved to California, right? Because they couldn't understand her. Right, right. And right. Uh, you know, so so, it, but now she just sounds like you know you can't tell she's from New York. But then when she says things that are like Italian words, she puts like mm-hmm. this really crazy Italian like ricotta. Yeah. Like I'm like, there's no G in ricotta, but the way she's like, it's regult. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not. Look, here's the bottle. R I C O T T A. You know what I mean? Ricotta. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. So Ryan said the same thing. I'm like, no, it's ricotta. I'm like, I learned to spell things out and sound things out in high school. Right. So my Irish self was like, what are you talking about? Regolt. I'm like, it's ricotta. You know what I mean? So she'll do, and she, she doesn't sound Italian at all. She looks Italian in the summer. Yeah. uh, But she doesn't sound Italian at all. But then when she says things like that, it's like, what do you, who, who are you? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, man? Um, so th- that was great. So, yeah. So Ryan, I'm going to wait till all the, uh, as far as recruiting visit questions, I'll let you address those in a, in a recruiting mailbag on Monday, but we won't get the second part of John Leahy's question, uh, which is, uh, see, did, did you, did you go away from John's question? There's something about what's better. That was not a recruiting question. So R- John, Leahy, Ryan Roberts is 100% to blame 
for why your question didn't get answered. Uh, it was a little right before the 104 mark, Ryan, is where that question was because uh, it was right before the one from uh, from uh, Brian Hockney. So uh, John Leahy had a question. I'm going to see if I can just quickly find it here. Man, y'all have put a lot of questions in there today. I'm like, it's like I've gone like through like 15 like flicks of the uh, of the mouse here, Sean, and I'm still not there. So uh, you guys make us a lot of great questions today, everybody. John Leahy, here we go. John says, what is a better mascot, the Pelicans or the Winged Beavers? Th- that's an easy one, John. That's that's easy. Winged Beavers. Winged beavers. That's an, I mean, that's not a real thing. Yeah. You might as well call them the unicorns, but I'm sorry. A winged Beaver is way cooler than a Pelican. Sounds better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, and it's a mas- totally fake thing, but it sounds like I'm a winged beaver. The mascot would be scary. Have you seen, yeah. like, this uh, Ocean Spray uh, commercial? Where the lady is scared of a clown, but she drinks oh, yeah. the uh, cranberry juice and it tastes the same. Yeah. And she walks up to the clown and kicks the heck out of him. Yes, that would be like most people would look at that winged beaver. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mascot yes. and probably want to do that. Yes, yes, that's a good yeah. one. It's a good one. All right, so now now we'll go to Brian Hockney. So we, if y'all want to ask recruiting questions about like talent, thoughts, stuff like that, we'll gladly answer those. But Ryan's definitely the guy to answer as far as like when will visits happen. Um, for so we got Brian Hockney says with all the offers going out, do we stop recruiting at at um, at uh, wide receiver, D line, cornerback if we hit our numbers, or do we save scholarships to first say at Caleb Justin Scott and Caleb Easley? Look, guys like that will always have a spot. They have a spot. Right? Like Justin Scott, you could sign five D tackles, and if Justin Scott decides he wants to come, you take them. Right. Yeah. So yeah. so it's a good question, Brian. They, they they always it's like if they get if they want to take three receivers, and they get three commitments from receivers. And Ryan Wingo still wants to talk to Notre Dame. You're still recruiting Ryan Wingo. No, no questions asked. No questions asked. So yes, absolutely, absolutely, Ooh, you'll do. Let, this is a, this is. Let's see, because Ryan will give us a thumbs up. Best player, Justin Scott or Beasley? Oh, it's I'm Justin just not. Scott. You think so? Oh yeah, yeah. And that's my. You know, I love Justin Scott. Yeah. Two, Beasley, he's he's really good. Two, yeah, two he's reasons. really good. Justin Scott has has traits that are just rare for a mm. guy his size. Number one, even though he's raw, I'd say Caleb B's a little bit more advanced right now technically. Mm-hmm. But that size, speed, con- athleticism combination is very rare. And then the second part is he plays a more premium position for me. Okay, like, give me a, an elite D tackle in a in a pretty good corner over yeah. an over an elite corner and a pretty good D tackle. Right, you're good either way, but yeah. that's kind of where I would go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but they're Ryan, both excellent players. You feel the same way? The boy. Yeah, he agrees with me. Yeah. But Ryan he, has he already agrees. stated publicly that he's always going to agree with me. So. <laughs> 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 For all you'll see, Ryan gave it. So Ryan will give us a thumbs up if he agrees, or a thumbs down. And so when I said that, he went. He gave me a very hard thumbs down on that one. So. <laughs> Got Jay Wick 13. Who would you say is the greatest head coach in Notre Dame sports, not just football history? No biggie mm. if you say it's a football coach. I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to go against uh, Frank Leahy, in my opinion. And I know Newt oh, Rockney is it gets the gets all the love. I mean, what what Frank Leahy did, I mean, you had a four-year stretch where you didn't lose a single game. Uh, I believe, I believe Frank Leahy won more championships. Uh, I believe I could be wrong on that, but he won, I think I thought four championships and I thought Newt won three. Newt was the, is the legend because he, he was so much more than just the football coach. I mean, yeah. just the, he was the, the, the 
transformative figure. He just, I mean, it's just the things he accomplished were just amazing. But, you know, Leahy won four championships. Uh, Newt won three. Uh, Leahy also had to deal with the fact that they missed two seasons right in the middle of his, of when he was really doing well because of the war. So they didn't have seasons in 44 and 45. Uh, so I, I, I'd, I'd probably go Leahy, but um, I, I would think throw, that's very debatable. I would certainly. throw, I, look, I would throw Muffet McGraw on the ballot. Sure. I really would. Because what she did for that women's program was, it was absolutely amazing. It, it really was. Two, two national she, titles, right? Two national titles, a bunch of four, Final Four appearances. Yeah. She you brought know. it to life. You know, yeah. to the fact that when you look, when you started paying attention, because, you know, you have football, basketball, NBA, a lot of things going on, right? And then all of a sudden it gets to, you know, tournament time. That's really when you start locking in on women's basketball for most mm-hmm. of us. Because, I mean, uh, you know, you catch a game every now and then if it's top teams that are on national TV. But, like, last night, you know, I missed the Notre Dame game, but I ended up catching um, Ole Miss and LSU. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know Ole Miss was as good as they were. And I knew LSU had just lost to South Carolina in a big time matchup unbeaten, yeah. unbeaten. So I just watched the game. And I'm like, yo, this is a really good game. But, yeah, you know, you always felt like Notre Dame was one, two, or three in the country. Right. Like every year it's like, okay, they're going to be right and there. There was a period of time where, like, they were about the only team that could beat UConn yeah. during a stretch there with yeah. Skyler and some, some yeah. Yeah, those times. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. that's a good call. Once you won a championship in two different eras, too. She right. did. She I mean, did. that's yeah, that matters. That matters. All right, let's let's see. Uh, is Drake with the football team right now or baseball? Uh, football. Football. Right. I don't think he's playing yeah. baseball as a, as a freshman. I don't believe. Is he, Sean? I have not is he playing baseball this semester. I have, I have to reach I have out. Not asked him <clears throat> about that. Because training for yeah, both are going on right now. Mm-hmm. They start right. the season. Baseball team's what, about to start well, next start. week, right? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. already practicing. I think their first games again. The softball team's already started yeah. games. He he might be red shirted for baseball purposes, or just not playing, like you said, the freshman year to go through spring football, right? Because to play baseball would mean he would miss some time with spring football, right? And I don't think they're going to let that happen. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah, wow, somebody said baseball plays today. Is they kick, they kick off season today? Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I'm really looking to see what Coach Stiffler can do, man. I'm going to start following the softball team because they're doing some really good things right now, they're too. Doing some good they, things they, as they, well. they were top 25 a lot last year, and I think the, I think they made the NCAA tournament last year. I think. I could be wrong on that, but, yeah. Good. Doing a really nice job. Really nice job. I just like winners. That's my thing. I like winners. Yeah. And I like programs that win. I mean, and you'd have to. I mean, if you're, I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you who the fencing coach is, but they've won a million national championships. So, you know, you have to, but I just don't think anybody cares. So. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next one here. All right, Ryan, where are you at? T- Tony Stangle. So, do you, do you think all the outside negativity and noise the past few weeks will actually give this team motivation and give them an us against the world mentality? I, it needs to for me. I absolutely look, Sean. I'm and I said this yesterday. I'm a believer in any chance you get a chance, you get to try to put mo- motivational material to where you feel disrespected. I don't think I think football and basketball are the two sports where being disrespected can have the greatest impact on how you perform mm-hmm. if you know how to channel it the right way. Yeah, and and.
Yes, I think they. I think it could. I hope it does. To be honest with you, I don't know if I'd say it directly like the administration screwed us over, you know, but more of like a hey, there's a lot of people that are doubting us. There's a lot. No, nobody has our back. We're here to do this because of of the man next to you. That's yeah. what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah, I would do that. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I said it a little bit earlier in the show. They definitely will come in with a different energy. Yeah. Right? I definitely feel like they're coming in with a different energy. And we've seen Notre Dame teams recently under Brian Kelly have the us against the world mentality. So that's kind of the brotherhood that exists at Notre Dame. Like most, they'll tell you. They know the things that they have to fight against. Yeah. You know, so. All right, let's go to the next question here. Brian, uh, Charles Lynch asked, Brian, on your initial list for OC, you had uh, hire you had Joe Brady and Joe Moorhead near the top, but you never heard their names in the interview process. What happened with those two? Uh, they, they weren't necessarily near the top. I mean, it was just a group of guys. And I believe I put them in alphabetical order. I could be wrong on that. Uh, they talked to Joe Brady. There was definite conversations there, but I, he just didn't want to leave the NFL. Uh, Joe Moorhead was never a real strong candidate, in my opinion. There was never the interest from Notre Dame in him beyond just an initial list of guys they had some interest in. It never really mm-hmm. got past that. I don't know why. I just don't think he was a guy that Notre Dame was necessarily yeah. pining for at this point in time. So, yeah. That's where that was. Max Ott, shout out to IB for all stuff you had to deal with the past week. Thank you for that. Does our recruiting board change at all? And who or where would you like to see the staff invest more time on? I think the linebacker coach, a.k.a. Al Golden, needs to spend less time on offering a million kids and actually recruiting some of those kids. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I'd love that. Ryan, go to the next question. Irish too says, if you are hiring an analyst, would you rather have a young and hungry guy that shows great potential to be a future coach or an experienced former coach who is looking for a temporary landing spot? I'd say a little bit of both. You know, I think, I think there's advantages to both. I think an analyst needs to have a little mix of both. I like the energy that a young guy brings. I think an older guy is really good for the futures, for the scouting stuff. I think that's where a a, a veteran analyst could really help you is with the, the scouting is, uh, you know, just being able to kind of, I, I would, I put, a, if I had David Cutcliffe or some young former quarterback on my list, I would trust oh, David man. Cutcliffe's future scouting of the next two opponents more than I would trust some guy that I don't know. So I, I, I like a nice blend. I think there's advantages to both. So I'd have a nice little blend of both. You good, Sean? You have you have you come down from my uh, from my comment? Yeah, I bet. I didn't know. I didn't know you didn't like the fish in a barrel theory or technique. Of well, I mean, it's like it's it's you have to expand your board, but at some point in time, you have to actually start recruiting some of those guys and create a priority list that you're actually like in on. That would be that'd be great. That'd be great. All right, let's go to the next question here from Mister Two Point Do you agree with me that things may still work out for the best in the sense that the recent backlash will push the administration to pay for a quality improvement O line coach? I hope so. I said this the other day, Sean. If I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm using this embarrassment to my advantage. Oh, if, I yeah. need to, if I need to buy out a coach on my current staff to move on yeah. to somebody else, you better freaking yeah. pay it. If I need to yeah. do a buyout to get the best O-line coach in the country, you better pay it. Like whatever I need from a coaching standpoint, you need to pay because um, you all don't want it to get out again that I was unwilling to <clears> – <throat> you were unwilling to pay for the next coach because you've already – and here's the thing, and this is where Jack kind of screwed himself too. He said it ain't about the money. It wasn't about the money. So you've proven – if you're Marcus, you this is, you know who should be most happy about the message that 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 was sent out yesterday is Marcus Freeman. 
because mm -hmm. like you just said you'll do whatever money's not an issue you're about winning championships okay mm -hmm. well i need i need 1.5 million to buy out a guy so this guy to do this yep right well you said it's a it's it's not about the money you said you'll pay it right so we know what the number is this is what we need to do well, I, I need this guy to be the best coach of this position in the country, and I need to be able to pay this. Well, you said it's not about the money, and you want to win championships, right? Do you really want it to get out that uh, you're you're not willing to do this to pay for this coach? Uh, may not mm -hmm. be a good idea, right? So you just gave him some ammunition to 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 go. Hey, I need to hire this analyst. I need a perfect example. We've had a lot of questions in the chat, and Ryan, you can erase these now. Uh, that but there's questions about you know what would you do for analysts, and and there's one name for sure that I would look at for an analyst, and that's David Cutcliffe. I mean, but that's going to cost you a pen, a pretty penny now. At hey, you wouldn't give me the two point eight million for the buyout for Andy Ludwig. I'm promoting Jared Parker, who's going to make way less money than I would have paid for that. You can yeah. at least give me some of that back to make sure that I can make David Cutcliffe real happy to be at Notre Dame for the next couple few years to help us as an analyst, right? You better yeah. darn sure help me give me some of that money because I need to buy out this coach so I can go something over here, and and we need to do that. So if Marcus Freeman plays this right, yeah. There will not be a hire he wants to make over the next couple months that he can't make if he plays this right. Because imagine if we found out that Marcus Freeman wanted to do something to, to do a buyout to get a coach to fire some, and then Jack Freeman said, no, we're, we're not going to give you that for that position, coach. Yeah. That wouldn't go well. He is definitely not working from a – Jack is not working from a position of strength right now when it comes to that high road of coaches. So, yeah. Yeah. And now that I realize that he's the highest paid athletic director in the country, that's, that's going to be a little bit even more one of that little bit more ammunition to this one. Scott Yerbrick says getting off topic. You guys got any vacation plans this summer, man? I can't tell you last time I took a vacation. <laughs> we so, actually, I, hope so. I hope so. You know, what's a vacation? Not With having to work any, for five any, hours. Anytime Brian Driscoll has to drive to a game. On the East Coast, that's a vacation. Yeah. Like the drive and the day yeah. he gets there, that's pretty that's much the vacation. Away. Pretty much. And then he goes to the game and yeah, it's back to much. work. It's pretty much. Or I go to so, my parents' house for a right, vacation. Right. And I do a podcast every day. I'm still putting out the same amount of content. You know, yeah. I hope that that changes soon because I'm, yeah, I just hope it does. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. What's the next question? Sean, do you have any vacations coming up? That was for both of us. Yeah, we're going for my well, you know, for my anniversary yeah. and birthday, which is well, I know that, yeah. they don't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go somewhere. My wife is talking about going. She wants to go somewhere like to a cabin or somewhere, you know. So maybe Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or somewhere like that. Sorry, there's this comedian has a really funny skit about Gatlinburg. Does he? Yeah. You have to send it to me. Yeah, I will. I will. It's funny. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, what's the next question? Call me Ty. If the admin felt bad about the Ludwig situation, they don't. What's one splash move they could do to make this make you think, okay, they messed up, but they made it up, made made up for it with this. Oh man, I got two. One is obviously the offense, an offensive line hire, big splashy offensive line hire. But the other one is do whatever you have to do to res, to have the result of being out gold and goes back to the NFL. Whether that's a he gets a job or there's a polite nudge. If you got to buy him out, you got to buy him out. And then there's an unemployed guy that has been coaching in, in Madison, Wisconsin, the last few years. That I would say, go pay what you need to pay to get him here. That's that would be my splash hire. The Al Golden theme of this show is fantastic. I have a great deal of respect for Al Golden as a man. I think he's a really good guy. He's a really good person. I just don't think he's cut out for the college game anymore. And he's mm. shown me nothing to make me think that. I I just think I think he's an NFL guy at this point in time. I just I don't think he has that same drive for coaching the entire roster, uh, the same drive for developing young people the way that they need to be developed as college players. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has a system in place that that is going to fit a college game, in my opinion. And he doesn't grind on the recruiting trail the way you need to. Now, now Jim Leonard doesn't isn't a recruiting grinder either, but he's a splashy name, and he's a much better college defensive coordinator right now. Man. Much better defense. Say that again right now. So uh, that would be splashy. T Gun says Sean is four steps without a dribble traveling. In most uh, rule books, not in the NBA. <laughs> not <laughs> when LeBron's got the books. ball. <laughs> in most rule books, but you have to. Well, I'm kidding. About you know, that. this is an awful LeBron fan. This is what it's amazing because you know they have all of these trainers now for kids. Like their parents are taking their kids to these dribbling trainers and all this stuff, and they're actually teaching kids, you know, on their step backs as long as you don't have your hands on the ball, especially if you're stepping back with a crossover, and you can take as many steps as you want, which technically is is true. So these things are actually being taught. I don't know if they're being executed. I know he's he's probably talking about Olivia Miles' game winning shot last night, but. That that move she made is par for the course, mm-hmm. and women's basketball, college basketball, men's college basketball is it's the game now. So, I mean, heck, when Allen Iverson came in with his crossover, it was carries. No one called him. right, except uh, Mister Corruption. You ever see that thing that oh, they yeah. did? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta ask. I'm going to read this question, Sean. I'm bringing one up, Ryan. This is from Omar Austin. So, Sean, are you growing out your hair for a Superfly 2018 Young Jock perm? <laughs> no, I don't. No, no chemicals in this hair right here. It is uh, all natural products right now. I am growing it out. I use a sponge on a daily basis to kind of curl it, twist it. And I'm actually liking it, man. I just screamed. My wife just screamed at me this morning because... Um, I used her products. I used all of her shampoo and conditioner. And she was like, you didn't go replace it. I'm like, you're right. So I gave her the money to go replace it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's a new that's a that's a new problem that's emerging in the yeah. household. Me Fifteen years products. have yet to have that conversation yet because I've pretty much had this hairdo the entire marriage that I've had. I like <laughs> low, low maintenance. We did have a super chat here from Tyler Smith. Did you see Ohio State canceled their home and home with Washington? They're saying it's because USC is joining the Big Ten. Sounds like an excuse to me. I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. Why are you canceling a non-conference game uh, because of a conference game? Makes no sense to me. No, I don't think that's it. Yeah. I think it's because they just watched what Mike – I think Washington (laughs) – Right. You can say what you want. That's not the reason. (laughs) I did hear some people float that the other reason might be because there's talk that the, that Washington may be one of the two teams that they bring into the Big Ten. Mm. So, you know, get get ahead of that now. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but that's something I've heard as well. All right, what, what do we got next, Mr. Roberts? We got Stephen Martin. Shout out to the IB crew and the IB nation. I would have gone insane suffering those last five days on my own. Dude, I'm with you. I think you're, you're, I think you're not alone in that one, man. I think there was a lot of people that got vented. Now, I'm, again, I, I said what I need to say today. I'm ready to move on from it because it is what it is, right? I have no control over it changing, okay? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not holding back now. But I just don't want it to be something that we discuss every single show and every single day, you know? It's like I'm ready to move on and start focusing on the football players, the football team. So that's kind of where, hey, Ryan, remind me at the very end, there's a there's a question that I want to ask that's not in the chat. And then there's, well, I do want to read, I was finally given the okay to read uh, from the former player what uh, about Jared Parker. Let's get to the next one from Robert Bishop. Do you think any of the big name recruits, Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen, Dante Moore, Jay Lamar, Ronan Hannafin that Notre Dame lost out on will start to play early for their respective teams? Would they have at Notre Dame? I'll be shocked if Keon and Peyton and Dante aren't playing early. I don't think Lamar and Ronan will. But, I mean, I'll be shocked if Keon, Peyton Bowen, and Dante Moore are playing this freshman. If not yeah. starting. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, maybe Keon doesn't start because Bama's loaded there, but he's good enough to start. Yeah, uh, I think Peyton Bowen will have a shot to start. And Dante, I'll be shocked if Dante's not starting at UCLA at some point in time this year. Shocked. And the shocked. track record of Bama is they get their freshman defensive lineman ready to go. Yes. At some point during yes. the first year. Now, now Dante would not have played as a freshman, would not have started as a freshman Notre Dame unless Tyler Buckner got hurt. Because if you bring in Dante, you're probably not bringing the Sam Hartman, right? But I don't think he would have beat out Tyler Buckner. Maybe you do. I don't know. That's an interesting uh, question. But I don't don't think he would have started as a freshman Notre Dame either way. It would have been Sam Hartman or Tyler Buckner. Keon definitely would have played a bunch if not started, and I think Peyton Bowen would have played a bunch if not started. But the other two wouldn't have played as freshmen here or there. So, yeah. Good question, Robert. Keita says, do you think the that think duo will be run less and there will be more very variety in the run plays with Parker's and OC? Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. I think we'll see more of an inside outside zone mix with counter and duo is also parts of the run game. So yes, I think we'll see I think we'll see a more balanced uh concepts, more balanced in the run game from a concept standpoint, more a little bit more mixture and diversity. Now there may be games where we're killing somebody with duo. Yeah. And so you say, hey, we're gonna stick with this. That's what you may say as an OC. Yeah. Or man, this just isn't a good look this week and we're not gonna run it. But yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna still see duo, but you're just not gonna see it as as the dominant run play. I don't believe as it was this year. And I think that benefits both running backs. Yes, and you know, especially with, Chris Tyree with their trajectory, especially if they're looking to go to the next level next year. I definitely yeah. think that benefits the both. Yeah, no yeah. question. Brandon Plesner says, "Is there in, info any info rumblings about Prince Colley changing positions or playing some DL this year, similar to the move to Yalamik to Yalam?" 
Junior Two Alamaka made? God, I hope not. I haven't heard anything like that. I've heard rumors about Prince Kali, but it's not about changing positions. So, um, yeah, I haven't heard anything like that. Scott L, did Jared Parker meet with Gino Gadouli and get to weigh in on the hire? <clears throat> was it all done by Freeman? Will Parker have any say at all in who the new O-line coach will be? Yes and yes. So Marcus Freeman very much believes in guys that have coached, um, guys that have coached, that, that guys in position from a coaching standpoint will have a say in, in assistant coach hires. Yeah. Yes. Now, because of the previous relationship with Jared and, and Marcus, Jared may – may trust Marcus more. Hey, you believe in this guy. You know what mm. I want. And you say, that's the guy. All right, cool. Get, you know, I'm assuming that you're correct. Maybe something like that happens. Yeah. But if there, if, because of the unique nature of their relationship being further back than just some OC you just hired, perhaps that, but yeah, Jared Parker, if Jared Parker wants to have a say on something, I think that he will, but I think Marcus Freeman is starting to take more authority over coaching hires, which is smart. Because he's the head coach, you got to answer for it at the end of the day. That's true. All right, next question. Call me Ty. Freeman has hired a lot of guys that he's worked with, mainly from Cincinnati. Who in your mind will could be D1 coaches? Uh, will they be his guys or Fickles? Um, I mean, will they be his guys? I mean, it depends. If they come from Notre Dame to get a head coaching job, they're Marcus's guys. I mean, that's that means that's where they were when they got to that position to take that jump. So, yeah, they'd be Marcus's guys. I mean, you we know, really want to be honest. Uh, I mean, technically, right? If we're talking about Marcus Freeman, most people would consider him, you know, based upon his mentor. If you want to go that far back. It's Trestle. You know, right. it's Trestle. And for uh, Gino Goduli, it would be what, Mark D'Antoni. He was yeah, there uh, in Cincinnati, right? Yeah. He, uh, he recruited he him. Played under, he played under Rick Mentor and um and Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, Mark so D'Antonio. I, so yes, I think Mark I think D'Antonio was the one that recruited him, I believe. Um I'm trying to when was Mark was Mentor before or after him? He, yeah. Wasn't Mentor no, after no, him? He was he was recruited. Mentor was before okay. D'Antonio. Okay. And so he was recruited by the mentor staff, I believe. And then kind of developed and played under D'Antonio. Right. Yeah. right. His the last so he he started two years under D'Antonio and two years under Mentor. Okay. I believe. You know, but I saw he has a relationship that still is very strong with Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, you saw that video. Yeah, I saw yeah. that too. Yeah. So so you know so well, it's like Brady Quinn. Yeah. Right, played as many years under Ty as he did under Charlie. But who do you think but Charlie Brady... is? His... Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Good question, Salty Virginia Peanuts. What is your assessment of Jeff Grimes for the O line coach? Well, the reality is, is he's not going to come for the O line job. He's an offensive coordinator at Baylor, so he's yeah. not going to leave that job to come. And he's a Texas guy, so he's not going to leave Baylor as the OC slash offensive line coach to come to Notre Dame, just coach online coach. He has a good reputation as an line coach. He's had some, like, like, look, all coaches have stops in their resume where they didn't, where the, the, the results weren't great, right? Like Harry got, Harry got fired at Tennessee. That obviously wasn't great. And, and so everybody has those in their background. Actually, Harry's been fired twice in the last 13 years or so. Cause he also got fired, uh, from the bears. So, uh, yeah, uh, I just, everybody has those, but, um, 
you know, so there's years where it wasn't as great and other years where it's been really good. He has a very strong reputation. I do, I do know that. So, um, I think, um, you know, I think he does some good things. I think he does some good things, uh, at, at Baylor, but he, he's not going to be an option. He's not going to be an option. Next question from Tyler Ottinger. I think with all the administration BS going on, Freeman's ability to go get Gino from Fickle and Wisconsin is being overlooked. I think that this is a really important, impressive move. Oh, we haven't overlooked it. I mean, that was what our show was about yesterday, was about the new coaching hire. So, no, I think it's a very good hire. Very, Sean, you you guys talked about it, I believe, on your show yesterday yeah. about how shows recruiting reputation is really yeah. good. Really right? good. Yeah. So that's the one thing is you're maintaining – so, like, Tommy Reese, we thought, especially this last year, did a very good job as an offense coordinator, right? Like, it took him some time to kind of get going, but – I feel it had more to do with getting more experience, but then also being surrounded by other good recruiters that have that have your back. That's important. But your OC is still going to be a very good recruiter, and your quarterbacks. You now added a quarterbacks coach that's going to be a very good recruiter. So now it's you know you, you've got two guys there that are going to do a good job. So uh, yeah. along with Dillon and, and of course Chancey Stuckey. So it, it, I, I would hope that more of his hires have that in mind when it comes to the yeah. like coordinators. I can live with them not being great recruiters, be finishers. But position coaches have to be dogs on the recruiting yeah. trail. Yeah. And from everything you guys reported yesterday, Sean, Gino is definitely – I love the fact that Marcus Freeman has made the shift for the coaching combination that he made because it shows two things. He's identified the importance of the quarterback position for this team to get over the hump and the development of the guys that they have currently on the roster and that are coming, coming via the pipeline of recruiting and making sure that they have things in place to make sure that they reach their full potential and become guys at Notre Dame. Because that's what usually happens when you start to see teams take that next step. They start to get guys, whether they're developed at your school or they come via recruiting. And that, for me, is an investment in the future. That wasn't about Sam Hartman. That was about every other quarterback on the roster and the quarterbacks that aren't on the roster that'll be coming down the line. So I thought that was him identifying one of the biggest points to getting this program to the next level and then investing in that area by going out and getting Gino Goduli to come in as the quarterback coach and putting him in a combination with Jared Parker. And then, you know, it's interesting because most people are like, man, this is tight end you. The tight ends will be okay. The tight ends will be okay because – from a recruiting standpoint, I can't wait to talk to Ryan about this. The tight ends they have in a 24 class now are not only talking to the tight end coach, they're talking to the offensive coordinator. Yep. So that is another difference. That's an advantage. So I, I'm excited. I'm re- I really am. I'm excited to see what they can do, particularly in this 24 class moving forward. Well, they got to get rolling soon because, yeah. I, I, you know, look, you've got to hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. actually more concerned about the defensive recruiting right now than I am the offensive oh, recruiting. Oh man, wholeheartedly, I agree with you. More I agree with you. Concerned about that. Yeah. Number one, there's a greater foundation, but number two, because of like what you said, 99 problems. With BK ain't one. I like the way you change it on the board. Actually, better. Um, uh, I I kind of like that. But 99 problems. With BK ain't one says, would you expect to see similarities in terms of scheme to David Cutcliffe offense for Parker? Well, I mean, there, perhaps. I mean, he he's a pro style guy, and and when you're pro style, there's certain concepts that kind of carry over from from team to team. So uh, perhaps, perhaps, 
I think we could. I, I don't know if I could say enough about the about the uh, that to uh, to go there, Sean. What what are your thoughts? I kind of agree with you, but I just think the system overall is going to be different, right? I think it's going to be a multiple system this year because Tyler Buckner literally is one play from being on the field. So maybe that's something Jared Parker has to do is have an offense to whereas Tyler Buckner is included in that offense. Like they have plays that will benefit both Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner, and then you have a package for Tyler Buckner if he has to play an extended period of time or has to start because of injury to Sam Hartman. So, you know, but moving forward, the only unicorn really of the group is Tyler Buckner as far as skill set, you know, because yeah. you think about C.J. Carr, Kenny Menchie, they're pretty much is Sam Hartman. that The offense can fit those three just fine. The only package you would add, particularly for a quarterback, would probably be Tyler Buckner. So I just got to say, Sean, I'm going to rip my dad when the show's over. What did he <clears> say? Love my dad. He called me three times. And so like, that's, so I stepped out like recently. So I'm thinking, okay, my dad keeps calling me. He knows I'm recording right now. I'm thinking something's wrong. He's got my 91 year old grandma with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He can butt dialed me. He's at my nephew's, one of my, (laughs) my nieces or nephew's games. He keeps butt dialing me. So yeah. Yeah. We're going to have some words. We're going to have some words. I get on this show. Oh man. (laughs) It's 2023 and you still don't know how to not butt dial someone on a smartphone. Come on, man. Do you watch inside the NBA? No. By any chance? So, you know, Tuesday night, instead of, you know, it's a new crew. It's like Candace Parker, Jamal Crawford, and Shaq. And they were laughing at the fact that Jamal Crawford, maybe your dad needs, remember the hip clips? Oh, yeah. the phones? I didn't even know they still made those. But apparently Jamal Crawford still uses one. And his wife was literally begging him to, like, get rid of it for Valentine's Day. Like, that's she wanted that to be her Mm -hmm. Valentine's gift. And I was like, man, I didn't even know they made those for iPhones. Yeah. Man, me neither. Or Androids. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe your dad dad needs one so he doesn't put it in his back pocket. Seriously. For real. Goodness gracious. All right. Next, we got one from Salty Virginia Peanuts. Is Dylan McCullough more likely to leave soon, actively being recruited, and is Al Golden less likely to leave soon? His guy did not get the airs on the head coaching job. I don't know about Al Golden. That was obviously an unfortunate turn of events. I don't know what Dylan's doing. Like honestly, to, I mean, he's he's out the Chiefs thing. He's promoting his new book and all that's fine and all that. But it's like, I I don't know. I don't I'm know. Shocked. I'm shocked at the author, but I'll leave it at that. Yep. Move on from that one real quick. Yeah. Mm. So uh, next one is from. Uh, so we got next year, Ryan from 99 Pros BK One. Do you think the complexity of the Reese offense hurt the big game performance? More thinking. And more variables coupled with the environment of a night game in Columbus seems likely to me. I, I, I don't see. Here's the thing. I think that was more of a Brian Kelly problem than anything else. I don't think the complexity hurt them against Ohio State. They they weren't actually overly complex that game. Two of the three games this year, I thought the offense played pretty well, with the exception of two turnovers against USC. I mean, they they moved the ball yeah. pretty well against USC and. The offense played great against Clemson. I mean, there's all the two of the touchdowns. Yeah, but the offense played really well against Clemson, right? I mean, they had short fields and and lost possessions because of turnovers, like from the other team. But the offense played really well that game. They ran for 286 yards against one of the best front sevens in college football and couldn't throw because of the primary because of the win. 
They flipped oh, yes. the field twice. Yes. At two important times, too, yes. when the game was still in doubt. Like, cool. literally backed up and flipped the field for a punt. Right. That's huge. In a but game like that. here's the counter argument. They weren't as complex this year because of the quarterback. Exactly. So, but I think that stuff had a lot more, had as much to do with Brian Kelly as anything, to be completely honest with you. I really do. All right, next question from Jason Smith. Did I hear correct in a previous show that you spoke with a parent of a transfer kid and said if they knew Jared Parker is going to be the OC, they wouldn't have transferred? Yes, I did say that. I did say that. That reminds me, I do want to read this comment here. I think this is good timing for this. So, Ryan, you can take that question down. But, yes, I did say that. Um, uh, so, I, I I read a comment. I, I got. I reached out to a former player. And I asked him, you know, talk to me about Jared Parker. And and this is this is what I got. Uh, just he's because he thought he would be real. He said, just seeing the level of dedication of the game and commitment to his players was a big thing for me. I think he has a great philosophy for the passing game and think our receivers will take a huge all capitals, huge jump with him as OC, but also has a really good understanding for what we want to do in the run game and how important it is to be dominant up front. And obviously, I think our tight ends will become even more critical position for us really big on development and understanding the ins and outs of the game and pre-snap info. I think we'll be much more balanced under him. And I expect Sam Hartman to throw a ton of TDs also love the guy, which is why I said I am biased. And then he also said, I asked how the players would respond to me. Because <coughs> players on great to him. think he will absolutely be embraced. Definitely think losing uh, Reese and Harry, he will be tough. So this isn't a kid like that didn't like the two previous coaches, right? Uh, will be tough, uh, but I don't think there's anyone else who I'd who I'd be able to rally the who I who I think uh, or anyone else who'd be able to rally the boys in a better way than him. So that was a comment, and I and I read the part about Harry Heastan and Reese because I didn't want it to come across as like some player that doesn't think that Tommy Reese was good or whatever the case may be. Right? It was a guy that did like those coaches, but just thinks Jared Parker can take it to another level is how I read that. So I did want to get that out. That's from a former Notre Dame player who uh, was, was part of the program this past year. So I, I wanted to get that out and I didn't want to say until I got permission from him. So uh, I'm glad I was able to say that. So what, what do we got next there? Mr. Roberts is Tosh Baker, an unexpected replacement for alt or Fisher an expected replacement. It depends on when those guys leave. If one of them leaves this year, it's possible. Certainly. Cause Tosh, cause Tosh has still got Tosh has the COVID year. Mm-hmm. So technically, Tosh still has, I believe, three years of eligibility remaining. So 2020 didn't count for him. So technically, Tosh was a redshirt freshman in 2021. 22, I mean. Because COVID didn't count. Yeah. And in 2021, he redshirted. So this year, even though he was a third-year guy, he was technically a redshirt freshman. So Tosh still has three years of eligibility remaining to, to play. So yeah, if Joe Walt leaves after this year, Tosh could still be a two-year starter for Notre Dame. Certainly, certainly. See, next question is from Broke Neck Boy. Who is the worst, best Heisman winners? Let's start with the best, Sean. I don't, and that's a hard one. I, I will say that the most dominant Heisman trophy I ever, the most dominant Heisman trophy winning season I ever saw, or or even is Barry Sanders in 1988, was just uh, elite. The worst Heisman Trophy winner for me is actually pretty easy for me. Because, again, I only when I answer these questions, I only talk about things that happen kind of in my lifetime. Mm. It's Gino Toretta, easily, is the worst Heisman Trophy winner of all time. I, he, just, he was so mediocre. 
so mediocre. Um, I thought Eric Crouch should not have been a Heisman Trophy winner the that year was, he did, but he was still a good player, though. That was mine. Eric yeah, Crouch. he was still a really good player, though. I mean, and he just, paid for it against the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. But his team wasn't that great. But the thing for me with Eric Crouch is, is people have said, oh, look, you know, he he wasn't, you know, he threw more interceptions. And but like, that's the same argument that I've made about Tony Rice. Mm-hmm. Like, if the guy is playing in that kind of offense, you're not going to throw a bunch of passing touchdowns and you're you're going to have, you know, so like the year he won the Heisman, he had seven touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Yeah. Well, he had 1,500 passing yards. Well, look, that's five more touchdowns and only one in one more interception than Tony Rice had when he was a Heisman runner up in 1989. It's a, it's a, he was a option quarterback. So that's just going to happen. But the guy also rushed for 1100 yards and 18 touchdowns and led his team to a championship game when honestly, they didn't have a championship caliber team that year, in my opinion, outside of him. So Mm -hmm. um, I actually like what, what he did. I thought Gino Toretta was like maybe the seventh or eighth best player on that offense for Miami. Eric Crouch was at least the best player that Nebraska had that year, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So that's why I, I, Gino Toretta. I mean, come on, man! Like that guy. Oh my gosh! I mean, the the, the leading rush, the leading rush for Nebraska, it was Darren Diedrich. So I mean, like Tommy Frazier was a great player, but he was playing with like Amon Green and Leonard uh, Lawrence Phillips. I mean, he had a great. Eric Crouch was playing with Darren Diedrich. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I actually respected him. I didn't think he should have won the Heisman that year, but I still think he was at least a good player. Gino Toretta, in my opinion, winning the Heisman Trophy over Marshall Falk and Garrison <laughs> Hurst and Reggie Brooks is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, I uh, I, uh, I got no respect for Gino Toretta. And I just thought he was a very mediocre player, Sean. Like a, just a very mediocre player in college. I never understood that that Heisman. And maybe not perform, but the the Jason White, the Jason yeah. White one for me was, yeah, yeah. I, There's I, been I some bad Heisman that. winners, but yeah, that that's another one. That's a good one. What year did Jason White win it? Was it nineteen two thousand four? Two thousand three was Jason okay. White. Almost. Yeah. Who, who were the other Heisman Trophy voting? Who were the other yeah, candidates for that? Let me hide some trophy voting for 2003. Let me let me look this one up. You had oh my gosh, he won it over Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and then number two was Eli Manning. So yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, that year that Larry Fitzgerald he was a fun. He had 20. Remember that year he had 22 receiving touchdowns. Yeah, had 92 catches for 670 yards. He was a he was a beast. And then uh, Eli Manning was third. So uh, yeah, I'd have given it to Larry Fitzgerald that year. If you're going to give it to an offensive guy, sure. There's some interesting quarterbacks on that list. So Jason White wins the Heisman. Here's the other quarterbacks in the top 10 that year, Sean. Eli Manning was third. Matt Leiner was sixth. Phillip Rivers was seventh. Ben Roethlisberger was ninth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, 2000 with Chris Winkie is uh, – I mean, yeah. when you look at the fact that LaDainian Tomlinson was in that yep. conversation. He finished fourth. Yeah. Um, Winky at least had good numbers. I mean, he threw for a mess of yards that year, man. And he he threw for four thousand yards in an era where teams weren't really throwing for four thousand yards yet. Yeah, you know, and went out and got stomped in the yeah. I mean, he was thirty years old, you know. So I mean, that's I mean, true. You know, that helped. That certainly helped. But that's, that's another year. Yeah, Josh Heupel was second, true, which I never understood. He had yeah. 20 touchdowns. 50. I just hate it when guys are like Josh Heupel was not Oklahoma's best player that year. Quentin Griffith was. 
I just have, I've never liked I've never liked that. Just the quarterbacks winning it, and it's like, dude, he's not even the best player on his team. And then third was was uh, Drew Brees, fourth was Ladainian Thomas, and fifth was Damian Anderson. Remember, he had a great year for Ohio State that year. And then Michael Vick was sixth. Santana Damian Moss Anderson, seven. I think Damian Anderson went to Northwestern. Yeah, uh, what did I say? You said Ohio State. I don't know why I said Ohio State. Yeah, it was Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah, uh, he had a really good year. Michael Vick, sixth. Santana Moss, seventh. Marquise Tuiasasopo, eighth. Ken Simonton, ninth. And then Rudy Johnson, tenth. I want to, uh, Santana Moss made me think of something. I think it was pro football focus. Somebody put something out, and it was a picture of like Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigbin, like I think like Jameson Williams, and they're like, name me a better receiving core. And I was like, everybody's like, you know, Obama two years ago. But I'm like, people <laughs> sleep on that Miami receiving core that had Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, and Andre Johnson. That was a mm. nuts receiving core, man. Nuts receiving mm. core. Yeah, you can so, ask you can ask Eric Crouch and uh, yeah, three thousand <laughs> Cornhuskers about that wide receiver core. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right, what's the next question we got here? Nathan Milton with a super chat. Thank you, sir. Considering the high likelihood of a dual threat quarterback gets injured and their low return of investment, should teams pursue traditional quarterbacks over more talented drop back prospects? I don't think it's a high likelihood that dual threat quarterbacks get hurt. I don't think that's a high likelihood at all. It, it, look, we've seen drop back quarterbacks who can't stay healthy. I mean, that's just reality of it. Some guys are just prone for injury. Some guys are not. So I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the premise. And then, I think you got to recruit what fits your offense, man. Like that—that's right. What it is? I don't think the traditional. See, this comes for me. This is about understanding that as the game changes, the young kids that watch the game change as well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you're going to see a lot of traditional drop back quarterback. I mean, Justin Herbert's not a traditional drop back right. quarterback. He's a dual threat quarterback. He he he's just not being used in that way, and maybe that's one of the faults of the Chargers, not getting him out of the pocket more, not getting him on the move, not giving him a chance to use his legs. Josh Allen is a dual threat quarterback, right? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a dual threat quarterback, dude. He's just getting to the point from a mature standpoint where he can literally lock in in the pocket and break you down. Right, but he wants to get outside the pocket and beat you, you know, with big plays and make the spectacular plays. He's really maturing to the point where he can beat you from in the pocket, which he did a great job of this year. So I think just the game itself is evolving to the point where the top two quarterbacks next year, Drake May and Caleb Williams, are those guys want to run and impact the game with their legs. So I, it's like the NBA; everybody grows up wanting to shoot now. Because they've been watching Steph Curry, and that's that's what's going to be coming through the ranks. I don't think the traditional right. Johnny Unitas, which is why it's Manning, stupid by, when people try to compare. That's why it's stupid when people try to compare three point shooters from today to three point shooters from the eighties. It's yeah. a completely different era. Yeah. Completely different era. Yeah. And if you're just going, to, well, this guy shot this many, and that guy shot that many. Well, it's a it's a lame argument because the game has changed, right? Yeah. That's like saying that. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than like 95% of the quarterbacks that played in the eighties because he's got more passing yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but here's the thing, Sean, what you're saying is true for a time. Here's how it always happens. Mm-hmm. There gets a point in time where kind of everybody has a dual threat quarterback and then some team and then NFL defenses have to adjust to dual threat quarterbacks. And then some team 
is going to run like a power offense or some team's going to get a drop back quarterback and that type of player is more rare and how to defend that is more rare. And then that team's going to get good again. And the next, you know, Peyton Manning ish type of guy is going to come along and all of a sudden he starts winning and then it cycles back. Yeah. That's how the NFL is, right? It, it's just the reality of it. Let a team go win. The, let a team like the Titans win a Super Bowl and then start seeing how people, you know, and Derrick Henry run for two thousand yards that year. And let's see, let's see how people put the value on a running back in the draft. It's just, it's been yeah. like that for my whole life. It's it cycles, right? Yeah. It cycles. It sometimes some cycles take longer than others, and, it, and when it comes back, it's in a different form, yeah. right? The but game it itself. Right. I'm speaking right. just naturally. See, yeah. you, you're talking about the game itself. I'm yeah. talking about just watching the game and going out and trying to emulate. Right. And that's, that's what a, I'm saying. That's, that's, a, six, that's because, a six, seven-year-old kid right, right now that's going to be emulating the right. quarterbacks they see now. I mean, that goes back to the 80s. I mean, you have how many how many kids grew up in the 80s and 90s wearing number seven? Yeah. Because they wanted to play like John Elway. Or yeah. number 16 because they wanted to play like Joe Montana. I mean, however the style was, right? Yeah. I think to your point now, there's so many more of those types of players my point is it's the reverse of what was back then where back then you wanted to play like John Elway because he was so different than everybody mm -hmm. else. My point is you're going to have all these guys are dual threat quarterbacks, right? That they yeah. want to emulate that, but then it's going to come along the next Peyton Manning type of player. And then all those kids who can't run like the other kids, yeah. that's who I'm emulating. And then all of a sudden teams start looking for that again. So it's a little bit of both for me. It's a little bit of both because once something becomes not unique anymore, it's like, okay, well, everybody's doing that. Now let me do the different thing that I can do to stand out. And that's that's why it's so cyclical, right? I mean, we're going to see a time in the NFL again where they're going to run the ball more. I'm not saying it's going to look like it did back in the 80s, but they're going to run the ball more because now that teams are so geared towards the pass, it, it's your it's your, it's your to your advantage to run the ball more. That's how football's always been, and it'll always remain that way. It'll just look different when it cycles back. It won't look like you're not going to like run the 1985 Chicago Bears defense. But there's going to be cycles that where that type of philosophy ish type of thing comes back, right? Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what I'm referring to. Yeah. But you're a lot of it to your point though, Sean. With kids comes back to who do you emulate? Well, right yeah. now kids are trying to emulate Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen and those type of guys, not Aaron Rodgers. And then right? look, John Tom Elway. Brady. John Elway was a dual threat quarterback. He right. just wasn't used that way. Right. Um. Early in his career, he was early in his career, but yeah. it's like before the knee injuries. Yeah, John Elway could come into the day right now and, and plug into what Jalen Hurts was doing and do the exact same thing, uh, but better. I'm not here to de debate that. You're right, but better. But it's like, but I'm saying that that's, that's just the beauty case. of that's. It's right. really saying that they didn't fully use quarterbacks that were talented in that manner 100%. to the full capabilities back then. Well, that was of the one game. of the big, yeah, that was one of the big yeah. beats with Dan Reeves is like, you got this great player and you're, you're not using them until the yeah. fourth quarter. Yeah. And then, you know, like that's where a lot of John Elway's athletic plays came from or when they'd fall behind. Yeah. You know, so Ryan's yeah. trying to get fired today. You see his comment down there? Like he wants to get fired today. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that is a fireball thing. Yeah, that is very. He said Ryan said John, Jalen Hurts and John were basically the same player. No, like we were, we were literally, and, and Ryan could attest to this. Yeah, I promise you, the the most interested person or people watching the Super Bowl on Sunday were uh, Richardson <laughs> and his agents. Right. Because if if Philly won the Super Bowl with that offense. 
Yeah. And that player, you better believe he was going to skyrocket in an NFL draft easily. Mm-hmm. Right? Because teams were like, oh, so we can take a talent like that right. and win the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. They were the ones sitting there watching saying, man, Jalen, you need to win this. Right. <laughs> you need to win this. But, no, they they literally got to the Super Bowl with a college offense. Right. Like, literally. And it's it's yeah. it's crazy how college football, well, really is high school. It's kind of the inverse, right? Because mm-hmm. high school invades college. Then college invades the NFL schematically with all of these new schemes and everything. You know, it's it's kind of weird the way it works. Yep. All right, let's get we gotta we gotta wrap up here soon. So we gotta get some more questions. That will uh, Levis comment. You're bogus yeah. double. <laughs> J- J- Joey Smith asks, what uh, what do the grad transfers do once they step on campus? Do they have to take a class or are they just hanging out? No, they have classes. Hashtag seven five seven. Yeah, they they have to take classes, they just don't take as many classes normally. Uh depending think, on how serious they are about getting their master's degree. Yeah, I think Thomas yeah. Harper mentioned that he doesn't start until the fall when he met with the media. Okay. Yeah. He mentioned he doesn't start until the fall. So he may just be hanging out then. Yeah. Yeah. He just may be hanging out then. He said, yeah, I'm working on my grad, but I actually don't start until the fall. I don't know what he's, he might be doing something else. You know, something that was weird. Malik was telling me like, they're not allowed to just like walk over to the goob and just work out. Still. Or indoor, he said that was his experience. Oh yeah, that was true for no. He was day. like, yo, That's why he's he... like, yeah, they would kick us out. He's like, we couldn't, I couldn't wake up at one, two in the morning yeah. mm-hmm. with my receivers and. Well, I mean, I I know there's certain times where the the, the facilities are closed, like at two yeah. o'clock in the morning, but yeah. No, that's that was the issue that we had is like the the times for the for the gyms opening like that's were really very limited, which is why yeah. kids were getting local members. Yeah. Like I've heard stories about kids like you know coaches will come in in the morning and the kids in the weight in the weight room getting extra work in that kind of thing. You know mm-hmm. I've seen that before, but it's not like it was when Malik was here. That was a Paul Longo thing. Okay, so yes, that was yeah. That was, yeah that I'm, that glad it's, I'm, I'm glad it's changed then. Definitely criticized. Yeah. All right, this next question from Michael S. Thank you for the super chat, Michael. Is the defensive coaching staff step for the, set for this year? What might change? I mean, for now it's set. I think analysts, they hired the, they hired the GA, Max Bulla, who's going to coach linebackers. You might have some analysts turnover or not, but for now the defensive staff is set. Yes, absolutely. I like him as a coach. I do. Yes. I've heard, yeah, a, lot of, I've heard a lot of good things about Max Bulla. Good pickup for sure. Yeah. Yeah, good pickup for sure.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.